big fan of Kirk Herbstreet, and uh, there are others that are uh, in his camp right now, but uh, we've seen some things posted by him and others that say 2020 college football season, probably not happening. I got to be honest, JB, I I think you agree with me on this. It's wrong. I think we're going to have a 2020 football season, at least a college football season. Uh, The country needs it. I think we're going to be in a position to have it. We may have to start a few weeks late. Uh, that's possible. And actually, I'm coming up with a concept for Division Three. If that were to have to happen, ways we can actually still have a very valuable season and good playoffs and everything. And I'll someday maybe release that to folks to see it. But there are ways to make contingencies here and still ensure we have a football season. You know, after 9/11, a lot of people didn't think. Games should have been played the next weekend in WPI and Union. We always go to the Ed Zaloom discussion uh, from WPI. He didn't think that that game was going to get off the ground, and it did, and how important it was just for normalcy's sake. I understand disease is different, but I think that we're going to reach a point in this country where the disease is contained and the desire to play is so needed and heightened for these college players that it's going to happen. What's your thought? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, I, I try to lean on on the experts and uh, Dr. Angus, who I know is a leading, um, you know, scientist, doctor, whatever, in, in the field of, uh, of this uh, kind of infectious disease and, and so on, basically felt within four to eight weeks that the United States would be able to be on offense uh, in dealing with this uh, this crisis. And, and I agree with that. I think that, you know, given the resources that we have at our disposal, even though there's been some challenges with our healthcare system and what have you. I would be really surprised if this wasn't somewhat contained by at least Memorial Day weekend, maybe into the early part of June. So I don't really see any threat to the college football season. Maybe that's, uh, you know, glass half full, um, you know, too optimistic, but I don't agree with Herb Street. I think that uh, this is going to be taken care of well, well before September. So our job is to tell you about the season. Let's do that for the sixth installment of our postseason special here on In the Huddle. Okay, we like to start at light. Uh, you know, uh, normally in the show we didn't do it this time because I, I think we wanted to get the uh, elephant in the room handled uh, right off the bat. A lot has changed over the two weeks since we actually did uh, a JB and Frank Coast chat uh, session, uh, where right. you know we just kind of pontificated on what could happen two weeks ago. I think we have a little bit more clarity as what's going to happen or where we are at this point. Uh, Infection numbers have increased, but the number of tests has increased as well across the country. Uh, We are getting to a point where the number of pending tests is starting to level off, though, and that's good news because it means that we're going to have a much better idea of the landscape of what coronavirus is doing to our country. It also means uh, in a state like New York, we saw, and this is as of Saturday, a slight trending downward in terms of hospitalizations, and hopefully that continues, and that things are beginning to apex somewhat. It won't be an overnight sensation. We understand that. As JB said in the open, it's going to take some time. But 
I, I believe, I truly do believe that we are going to be in the right direction sooner rather than later here. And that means that let's get ready for football. Let's let's get ready for what's going to happen here. We've got a bunch of things to talk about in the show that prepare us for that step. But, JB, we walk into yesterday, Friday, with another reality. It's something we touched on two weeks ago when we did the first show. School closings because of financial issues. Schools that are already teetering basically yeah that basically are uh you know risks to go under and mcmurray in illinois unfortunately jacksonville illinois uh, after 100 and what 80 year history yeah yeah. i mean it was uh, Mm -hmm. well over 150 years gone after this spring term they were already affected by financial issues coming into this year there's only 500 enrolled students at that college and seven schools have stepped up to say, come on over, we'll, we'll take you at this point. Mm-hmm. Greenville yeah. is the only one in their conference doing so in the uh, UMAC. But we talk about Wesley we, and we talk about other schools. What are you seeing in that respect right now? Because I know you've been studying this along the way and kind of being aware of it uh, since two weeks ago. What are you thinking now? Yeah, I think at this point, um, it, it's basically going to come down to a combination of the overall operating costs of a college plus their uh, plus their endowment and how how much they can you know, tap into that. Um, obviously, the markets have been negatively affected uh, by the coronavirus situation, and so there there have been some some losses here and there. Uh, it's so ultimately, at the end of the day, it's going to boil down to can schools manage the the basic you know, balance sheet of uh, you know the combination of tuition revenue uh, being able to cover the basic operating costs, and if if the uh, operating costs aren't getting covered, then we're going to see more situations like McMurray. Unfortunately, we've heard some rumblings further on Wesley. We've heard that the school that we thought it was won't be the school that uh, was uh, the merger partner. We heard uh, another name actually come to light. Again, we're not going to tell you the names because we don't have enough verification for sourcing purposes. But the thing that became clear so far is that Wesley is definitely hedging on how they're going to reimburse room and board expenses. Schools like Union were upfront with that information and pretty much had a plan hatch as soon as they said spring term done, okay, in terms of on uh, campus in person stuff. So Wesley, not so much, and it, you wonder if it's not because of the financial issues there that you know refunds will cause them. Uh, a lot of the money that you're paying for room and board goes into operation and other expenses that are sunk costs to a certain degree for these schools with those dorms, etc. And to pay the money back to the students essentially undercuts their bottom line that they already had trouble with. We'll see where it goes, but. I would not be surprised if we uh, saw two or three more schools ultimately say we can't do it and what the government is going yeah. to do to try to put a safety net underneath those schools. We've heard a school in Pennsylvania maybe uh, that's uh, you know in Division three, but not necessarily football that's in deep trouble. We've heard other schools that are anecdotally in you know rough shape coming into this and how will they survive, quote unquote. You know what? We've got to get through the spring term. A lot of these schools aren't going to announce probably until the summer what happens and after they know just how deep we're going to go into the summer with, let's say, 
uh, collateral damage from this uh, situation and uh, where it ends. So we're not going to get the full picture probably until midsummer on some of these uh, situations. As we hear them, we'll post them. Uh, we're not going to have a special show every time it happens because uh, that isn't what we're about here as it is. But just be aware that no. we did lose McMurray on Friday and uh, we have other situations that may come to be as we go along. Let's also talk about the draft situations and whatnot so far from what we understand. Um, we've had the Nick DiCarano uh, discussion, the David Tamero discussion in our prior shows. Tamero, uh, mm -hmm. we'd heard, uh, did not have the pro day at, uh, I think it was supposed to be Towson. Don't quote me on that. Uh, I, th I think Something that was... Like, yeah. We had uh, talked him off the record about that. I think we can say at this point that that was where the planned day was, and that would have been earlier this week. And obviously, that did not happen, and it doesn't look like it's going to be postponed. Um, but you know, th he's definitely in the discussion. Our good friend Emery Hunt is still, you know, a proponent of his. We know in the background over at Football Game Plan. Appreciate his uh, backing of our interview with David and with Mike Riddleman. The draft appears to be going on as expected, at least in principle, and how they're going to uh, pull it off. We're still not 100% sure, and they're probably not 100% sure either, as we are four weeks away from it right now as we record this. From what you're seeing, how are guys from not just D3, but across the divisions being affected by this right now? What's, what are the changes you're hearing? Well, one of the things that I, that I noticed was... Um, uh, Chip Smith, who is a, uh, a an athletic uh, trainer, runs uh, lots of uh, you know pro uh, types of you know prep uh, camps at his facility up in Atlanta. Ali Marpet's trained up there. Um, he actually has been helping a Division three prospect by the name of uh, Mason uh, Mason Kinsey. Um, he did a virtual pro day. Um, ran a pretty fast 40 that you can see there, a 4.36. And so, um, you know, sending that out to 32 uh, NFL teams, I think that's probably be, uh, been more of the norm for guys like Tamaro and, and Deeks, as we like to call them, um, from Endicott, just trying to get some uh, some tape out there, some virtual workouts, and, and you know, keep their names uh, in the back of scouts' minds. I do believe that, you know, the NFL draft is going to go off. That's basically what um, – you know, they announced this past week over Twitter. It's probably going to be more of like a, a, a studio uh, broadcast where they'll you know cut to uh, maybe players getting phone calls with from their families and stuff like that versus you know going uh, going across the um, the stage and and shaking hands with the commissioner and all that. But I think you know it's the the new norm is going to be uh, probably more virtual uh, pro day types of stuff. And as I've seen. From other um, you know draft scouts out there like Emory, uh, physicals and and all those types of things are going to be very uh, important uh, for these uh, NFL hopefuls. I think one thing that we've learned, and we didn't get to say it in the last show we did because we didn't know just how meaningful it would be ultimately when we originally recorded the wraparound to it, both uh, the more recent wraparound and the one we did in your kitchen back in January. But I think this is going to underscore the value of the showcases and the uh, talent bowls uh, in that you don't know what could happen later on. And so you're going to need to take every opportunity you can get even early on in yeah. January to get yourself out there, to get your uh, name out to the scouts to play in these things. Now, again, I think David Tamiro's advice was great in that pick the one that's for you. Don't just go willy nilly do it, but do something and make sure you know you're educated on which one you're picking at the end of the day. 
fully, 100%, or mm-hmm. multiple for that matter. But I really think that you take nothing for granted right now. A lot of these guys were like, well, I'm going to go and, you know, do a, a pro day somewhere. I think Tevin Jones was actually one of those people that did some of the CGS stuff, but was relying on his pro day. He'd been working out hard and working and getting ready for it and didn't necessarily do everything that everybody else was doing along the way because he was banking on certain situations. And then this happens. And now how does he get himself out there at that point? And Tevin is yeah. one of the best linebackers in the country, Division Three or otherwise. But because he's in Division Three. He needed a little bit of an edge more than, you know, let's say, a Division One player that's got the scouts already aware of the name. And so there mm-hmm. comes the problem, ultimately, for a lot of these players. And then next year, for the juniors coming into their senior year, I think you're going to see a lot more interest in drive to get to these events than we have ever seen based on what's just happened here. So the landscape's changed maybe permanently here, or at least semi-permanently, about what happens in future years based on something like this. I'm interested to see what happens. JB, another uh, issue that we uh, actually recorded in your kitchen back when, but we uh, didn't play that, we're going to go back over it now, is coaching changes. I believe we are done with coaching changes in the East region. It took a little while. (laughs) So let's let's go through these. And uh, at the end of this, I'm going to ask you to pick your three favorite uh, changes. So rank them uh, three, two, one, one being your favorite, basically, uh, when we go through these uh, changes. First, FDU Florham. Brian Serace leaves after nine seasons. Jimmy Robertson, the former OC, is now the HC there at FDU Florham. And if you haven't seen the interview we did with him, it was uh, from last week. Just scroll down on our Facebook page. You'll find it or on our uh, podcast uh, or iTunes page, excuse me. Worcester State, Brian Cullen, after 37 seasons, uh, is leaving the program. And he, he has definitely earned that, uh, in fact. I, I, you know, retirement <laughs> is sweet after years, wow. 30 or 37 or whatever it is. In uh, the yeah. new head coach is an interim head coach for the 2020 season, at the very least, Adam Pelliquin. Good luck to him. Fitchburg State uh, has Jim McGuire after two seasons leaving. That's the shortest tenure in this list, I believe. Uh, the new head coach is Scott Sperone, the former defensive coordinator of WPI. So they've gained a good coach there, that's for sure. McGuire was good, but Sperone, obviously, uh, with the defensive performance that WPI always puts in, is really yeah. good as well. Cortland, Dan McNeil leaves after 23 seasons. And guess what? We had an interview last week with Kurt Fitzpatrick from Morrisville. Or last week, about a week and a half ago, I should say, at this point. Yeah. Uh, Kurt uh, Fitzpatrick leaving Morrisville, though, opens up after his seven seasons at Morrisville a position. And Ed Raby Jr., the defensive coordinator, is going to be the head coach over at Morrisville. So not too much changing over there. They didn't have enough time to do a search even if they wanted to, but there's no indication they would have anyway. So, uh, Coach Raby, congratulations to you. Framingham State, our good friend Thomas Kelly. Uh, he's going to be the AD, and after 13 seasons of football, will just be the AD at that point. Ainsley Rosenbaum, the offensive coordinator, is the head coach there taking over for Coach Kelly. And last but not least, in terms of announcements... Bill George, after 21 seasons, announced he was leaving Coast Guard, and he is being replaced as of this week, this past week, that is, by C.C. Grant. 
uh, a 21 season assistant coach at Coast Guard Academy. More on that in a moment. JB, give me your 3-2-1 here in terms of all those coaching changes, your favorites of the, in terms of the, the prolificness or powerfulness of the move or change in, in terms of the success level you think it could drive ultimately. Well, um, I guess to you know to play favorites a little bit, we have to start off. I think with with uh, Coach Robertson just being you know first guest on the show, and you know he's a first time head coach, uh, long time friend of the, of the program, and certainly a uh, student athlete and and coach that we followed for a long time. It was great to see him uh, you know, get this opportunity to try to you know, make the Devils program uh, take it up a notch into, into the next level. Um, as we said in our interview with him. Uh, it's not going to be about the offense. They're going to not have any problems, you know, putting up 50 points a game. It's going to be whether or not uh, he can get that defense to, um, you know, to, to, to tighten things up a little bit and to uh, to not have so many shootouts in those uh, MAC games like we've seen in these past few seasons. Okay, so that's uh, let's say your favorite. It sounds like out of those. So give me a couple others so that did uh, kind of uh, say to you that that team made a good decision here. Well, I, I think you know Coach Fitz with Cortland, especially given the the high profile nature of that program in the Division Three East Region world. I mean, uh, they, they've been a, a contender for a long time, and to basically go to the outside to to find someone who's really done a nice job making Morrisville into one of the top teams in the Empire States, uh, Empire Eight rather, and the state, I guess. Um, uh, it, it was definitely a big pick. Um, finally, I guess I'd say. Uh, I'd probably go with Coach Sparone just because of the success that he's had um, at WPI, really helping the other Coach Robertson, the the C Rob, um, <laughs> next to, uh, over there in Worcester, um, have such a you know some great uh, New England Bowl, uh, New Mac seasons uh, these past few years. So it's great to see these young guys you know, get an opportunity. But you know, Frank, the uh, some, sometimes there's some more middle-aged guys are pretty solid too. I really enjoyed talking to uh, Coach Grant. Um, from from the Coast Guard, and, uh, and it sounds like he's in a great position there with a lot of returning uh, players coming back to take them to the next level. JB, are you doing what we call a segue in the business right now? Just a little. Folks, we had the uh, very fortunate opportunity to speak with Coach C.C. Grant, the new incoming head coach at Coast Guard Academy. Uh, just somebody that is very familiar with the program that the players are very familiar with uh, kind of a tough love guy is uh, what they told us and here is that interview with CC Grant of Coast Guard Academy coach Grant uh, in a time of uh, you know some real issues around our uh, country going on and world right now uh, it's good to be able to report some great news and the great news here is you have been selected as the new head coach of Coast Guard Academy Football. Congratulations to you and thanks for joining us. Thank you, thank you for having me. First question I have for you, I mean, what is this, 21 years, 21 seasons, give or take for you at Coast Guard Academy. Bill George, you know, a good friend of yours, obviously, longtime head coach. Did you ever see this moment coming that you were gonna be able to take over? Uh, such a prestigious program like the Coast Guard Academy football team, and how does it feel? Um, again, I, I didn't really think about it until Bill had actually, you know, uh, came in at the end of or somewhere during last summer and said that you know this was going to be his last year. 
even at that point, I didn't really think about it uh, so much um, until probably after the season, things started to hit home a little bit. And I gave it a lot of thought just uh, in my own mind. Is this something that I wanted to do? Uh, and in the end, I figured out, yeah, you know what? I, I would love to be the head coach here. Um, you get to work with great kids, uh, unbelievable uh, young men. So I'm, I'm very excited and humbled at the same time by the, by the opportunity. Coach, what was the process like for you? Because I imagine on one hand, you know, as an internal candidate uh, who's been with the program, you have to feel a certain sense of, of confidence. You, you know the players, you know the institution, but at the same time, you know, it's going to be a national search and there's probably going to be some great applicants. Was there ever a period of time uh, where maybe that, that sort of internal candidacy confidence might have waned and you were kind of wondering how this was going to go? And, and tell us about, you know, what was it like when you finally got word uh, that you were picked to be the new coach? Uh, I don't know if it ever waned. I mean, I was very happy in what I was doing, um, knowing that I was still going to be here. Uh, but uh, it was, I guess I was a little surprised, um, but kind of happy, overjoyed at the same point when uh, our AD, Dan Rose, called me in and informed me that uh, I had been selected um, as the next head coach. Um, and the first thing I did was, you know, go home and tell my wife. He, he, although, you know, it, it was I had to hold on to it for a while because of the, the, the timing of the press release and everything. So for a while, sure. it was just me and her. Who knew? And then probably the next people that I told were my, I called my parents the night before and just told them that they had to just kind of keep it under wraps um, that I had been selected as because the, they didn't even know I had never even told them that I had applied for the job. So <laughs> um, my dad was a little overjoyed more than I thought that he would be, but. Uh, I called them on Sunday night and let them know that that that, that I'd been selected as as a head coach. So it's been kind of a whirlwind since then, doing everything online, you know, contacting people, contacting recruits, um, to let them know uh, that we we're trying to make this thing as seamless as we possibly can. So, coach. We've had coaches on, uh, Jimmy Robertson, uh, for instance, and Coach Fitzpatrick at a school you know very well. Uh, Cortland, we'll talk more about Cortland in a little bit in the, the old playing days. Uh, but uh, they talked to us about what's happened with coronavirus and the shutting of their schools for the spring term and what it does to their spring practice, et cetera. Coast Guard Academy is a federal academy, uh, technically, and so rules may be different as to how they operate. Uh, could you let us in on, you know, what is next at Coast Guard Academy and how it affects you trying to get your spring practices, et cetera, together? Will you have such a thing? Kind of let us in on what the next challenges are for you in that respect. Um, as far as I know, uh, there's no plans right now to bring uh, kids back anytime soon. I know uh, the big thing now is for us here at the Academy, uh, is our seniors and uh, they're, they're supposed to graduate um, in May and, you know, they become ensigns. So right now, I think that's the focus so, uh, on the academy is how do we um, how do we get through this uh, for our seniors, to get these kids to be able to graduate on time and get them out of here. I, I want to say probably everything else right now is besides the cadet safety is secondary, uh, whether it be spring ball or anything like that. I don't think anybody's been thinking about that at this point in time. Uh, just probably, you know, just kind of letting this thing pass as best we can, keep our, our safe distance and uh, making sure we're, 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 you know, we're, you know, proactive, being proactive with the protocols that have been set in place, like washing your hands and social distancing and those type of things. So at this point in time, um, there's been nothing said to me about, hey, we're bringing kids back. 
for this, for that. Um, we have summer programs here that at this point in time, who knows if those things are even going to uh, be in place. So uh, number one thing here right now, I think, is on our senior class and how do we get those kids to graduate on time uh, so they can start their years of service. Coach, speaking of the uh, the student athletes uh, on on the Bears, I mean, you mentioned before, you know, you, when you got the word, you, you had kept it under wraps. You, you let your family know. Um, I imagine at this point, uh, you know, with the press release and all that, the, the players know about it. Um, what has been your interaction with with them, uh, given that they're not on campus, um, whether they're you know out, out on the sea or just you know staying home with their with their families, um, you know, trying to ride this thing out. And uh, is the is the academy using you know, video technology kind of like this Zoom to to, to try to keep uh, up up the lines of communication? Because obviously, as a even though you've been with the program for a while as a new head coach, you you probably want to start getting you know some information out there to your players. Uh, like I said, uh, I as uh, soon as it was released, I uh, later that afternoon or evening, um, I emailed the team uh, about that I had become the head coach. During the process of the interviews, uh, one of the things they did was they they allowed the the candidates uh, to have lunch with uh, with some of the seniors. And what became apparent to me at that point in time was, you know, through this process for them, I think the thing that they were both they were kind of unnerved about what was how long it was taking. So they were just kind of ready for somebody to be named and to move on. Um, so like I said, I reached out to them, let them know, hey, I've been appointed as the uh, uh, I've been chosen, selected as going to, to be the next head coach, and I've accepted it. And uh, I'm excited about the opportunity, ready to get to work. Um, and right away, I got uh, a bunch of emails came back from guys uh, congratulating me, and you know, and uh, saying that they were, as soon as we get, they can't wait to get back to school to get to work. So, um, I'll probably what I'll probably do is probably try to reach out to them once a week uh, as we go forward to see how they're doing, um, make sure they're staying connected with their classes and whatnot. If anybody's having any problems to make sure, let them know that they can contact me by, you know, I'll put my, give my, most of them have my phone number, but I give my phone number and, uh, and they know that they, my email, I'm online, so they, they can reach out and, and make, uh, make contact with me. So I've got a great idea. We're a football podcast. Let's talk football finally here. Uh, the, now we've gone through all that. Coast Guard football in the new Mac. It's become a force of a uh, conference in terms of the competitive level inside it. Seems like we've always got a three-way three race heading into the last one to two weeks, no matter who, uh, what, maybe a four-way race uh, sometimes as well. Coast Guard ended on a three-game losing streak last year, lost four out of their last five. Uh, you, as defensive coordinator, had a couple of games at the end of the season you probably don't want to uh, remember. That's For me, I guess, to uh, remind you briefly, then move on now and say, Coach, how do you make this team into a new Mac champion uh, from here? What are you going to uh, add or change? And I know Coach George had a tremendous foundation there. What are you going to do maybe a slightly differently to put your kind of thumbprint on this program? Well, you're right about one thing that uh, Coach George did have a great foundation here. Uh, well, that's just going to come. It's about recruiting, uh, reaching out to find the best kids that we can find from all over the country. Uh, we have a national recruiting base. Uh, I, I plan on doing some things during the summer, uh, doing some camps that we can reach out and, and find the best available players. I know it's been uh, from the AD and from the superintendent here, they've reached out to me already, uh, talking about just building up our numbers. One of the things that, that's happened over the last couple of seasons 
is that we've been hit hard with injuries and just with the lack of depth, depth behind it, we just haven't been able to maintain the same level of play that we that we started the season with. So I'm gonna say two years ago, um, you know, it was phenomenal. We go down and play Kings Point and beat them in the last game. But what was phenomenal about that was 11 guys that started on defense in the first game of the season were the same 11 guys who started on defense against Kings Point in that, that 10th game. So I think we, number one, we have to make sure our conditioning and we have a, a level of, of physical toughness that's going to last us. That includes lifting weights at, at times. And I've talked to the team when I had that lunch with them about maybe having an organized lift time maybe in the morning, and they were all on board with that. So those things, recruiting, uh, making sure that we're doing the things things right here on campus to make sure we stay as physically healthy as we possibly can that we last through a whole season. Well, you mentioned your seniors, and uh, you know, one of the things that was real fun uh, a couple of years back, we got to talk to uh, your quarterback, Ryan Jones. We've um, you know noted some other players like uh, Patrick Crowley and such that have had some really strong careers, uh, certainly losing some, some great players to the class of 2020. But if you scan through your roster, Coach, there's a lot of, uh, I mean, right now it's showing the, the 2019 version. I'm sure it'll update over the summer, but Lots of uh, rising seniors, lots of um, uh, rising juniors. You, you, you have a lot of guys coming back, basically. I mean, you are you know, going to have some interesting competitions come fall camp, but it does seem like you return a, a pretty strong core of players for the Bears. Yeah, we do. Um, I like you said, I love the foundation that we have. Um, these guys are, are great leaders also. Uh, with the foundation, it's about us building on it now. Um, with the guys we have coming back, I believe that we can be competitive, that we will be competitive. Um, and, just, and again, just build off of it. Obviously, we're going to have to re replace Ryan. Um, and we have a couple guys behind him who I think are going to compete and uh, do a great job at it. Again, we got guys come back on defense. We'll have to replace a couple guys in the secondary, but I think we'll be okay. I think we got some guys that can fill in and are ready to play right away. Coach, let's uh, go back uh, to your playing days. Uh, fullback for a uh, playoff team over in uh, Cortland, uh, 1990. It seems like uh, you know Coach George and you had this Ithaca Cortland connection thing going on. I, I, all roads must uh, lead through Southern New York somehow to Coast Guard. I'm not sure how it works. We'll figure this out yet. But uh, what did you learn in your playing days? I know you got your masters uh, there in uh, 1995. I think so. You stuck around Cortland for a little while, uh, but. You know, Cortland was a very successful program, still is uh, to a certain degree, obviously. What did you learn there that you took away from that D3 experience that made you want to stay in the D3 coaching ranks as long as you have and succeed at it? Well, I think you, you realize that there's there's pretty good football there and there's even better people. Um, I, I've had I've been blessed enough to, to play uh, for two really good guys when I was at Cortland, uh, Dave Murray and, uh, and Coach Kaiser when he was there, Dennis Kaiser. Uh, I played for those two guys. We had wonderful times. Um, and I believe Kaiser actually started the, uh, the, the, the Cortland ball rolling back in 88 when they were undefeated. And they actually, at one point, I believe Sports Illustrated called it the game of the century when Cortland played Ithaca in 88. Um, and then, you know, we went and we, you know, we played in 89 and then 90 and, and it just kind of got the ball rolling from that point. Um, but you learn about great competition, um, that, you, that not all the great coaches are at the upper levels. Um, there's great coaches at Division III. Um, I had a, a tremendous, uh, uh, tremendous time when I was at Cortland. The uh, experience there, uh, just learn how to coach, learn how to do things a certain way. 
uh, the right way. And I even, you know, my last couple of years there, I was under, uh, I worked for Coach McNeil. And I still, even at that point in time, I learned a tremendous amount about the game of football and about how to manage people. Um, he did a great job there. Um, as you know, as he slides into a retirement, there's a picture. Um, but uh, just the people that he that we had around us, that you surround you with good people, you surround yourself with good people, which uh, uh, Coast Guard has done already for me. So it's not like I have to go out and rebuild the staff or anything. The guys that are in place here are tremendous workers. They know the game. They love the game. Um, and during the season, we live the game. So uh, just it, it's it, it's weird that I guess a little bit. It was me first coming in, and I'm working with with Ray. The fork, who was an Ithaca guy, and Bill, who was an Ithaca guy. But believe it or not, through a mutual contact, me and Ray actually played golf twice a summer before we actually came here in 99. So we played for a mutual friend of ours. We played at Cornell's course. And then later in, in, in the summer when I got the call, uh, I, had, I had no idea Bill had even taken a job here. And I was working at a football camp in Downsburg. And I got a call, and the camp director said, hey, Bill George uh, left a message for you. I'm thinking, Bill George, how do I know that name? I was like, you mean the, the old line coach at Ithaca? And there was a kid <laughs> that I was working with by the name of Mark Raymond. And I believe Mark is might be the head coach of Williams now. And he goes, Bill, yeah, he's yeah. the head coach at Yes, he's not, he's not coaching at, at, at Ithaca anymore. He just he took the head coaching job at the Coast Guard. I bet you he's got a position he's calling you about. Sure enough, I got in touch with him. He told me to come in, uh, check out, check the place out. And, and I did that. Um, and believe it or not, I was working at a basketball camp down in Long Island. And I did my phone interview from one of the, the basketball coaches' office on Long Island uh, for this job. Um, they offered me the job. And it, this thing had happened so fast that literally from the time the interview that I had uh, to the time they offered me, me coming down here to look for a place to, to live was all in like a week's time. It was, it was like a whirlwind uh, that, that, that we yeah. didn't have two weeks. Um, and who would have known 21 years later, here I am, still here. Um, instead of being an assistant coach, uh, I've been blessed enough to be uh, awarded with the head coach position. Okay, uh, Coach, I'm going to jump in on JB for one second here. I, I want you to look at uh, your screen again since you, you already spotted yep. the staff photo from 1993 that uh, our friend uh, Fran Elia uh, over uh, down in uh, Cortland sent to me just a little bit ago. So. <laughs> Coach, let's talk about the quads. Yeah. Uh, are you still sporting quads like that? Uh, probably, but they probably don't. They, I probably don't have the same muscular definition in them. <laughs> <laughs> Great playing day uh, photo there, but uh, JB, go ahead. Well, not not to belabor the point, but and obviously, Coach, for the last twenty plus years, you're usually um, you're working on on the day of the Cortica game. But I imagine that you and Coach George, as a Cortica sort of you know alumni you know, opposition, probably have a little fun with each other once the off season rolls around. Is there is there a little like kind of Cortica bragging rights, or is it really doesn't matter because it's all about the Secretary's Cup? Really, in, in 20, 21 years, it's been all about the Secretary's Cup. We've never, um, believe it or not, we've never had any razzing. If one team wins, the other team wins. It's, it's always, and to be honest with you, it's, and I look back on, I guess, when I first got here, it had been something that maybe we would have uh, busted each other's chops a little bit more about. But no, we really we really don't mention it, to be honest with you. Um, you know, Bill, Bill would normally say, hey, what, what do you hear from up north? He, you know, he, he might ask me something like that. But to be honest with you, it, it, it's never really hardly ever comes up, um, even 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 game week. Uh, at that point in time, you're so tied into, hey, Kings Point, Kings Point, Kings Point. Um, 
I, I have normally reached back out to Coach McNeil just to wish him good luck. Um, we've stayed in contact over the years. But uh, outside of that, uh, you know, I work on the staff of two, two Ithaca guys. It's, it never really, get, never really ever comes up. Speaking of the Secretary's Cup, Coach, what has it been like for your program these last few seasons, you know, kind of the, the marrying up of the Army-Navy game with, with uh, the Coast Guard, Merchant Marine, Secretary's Cup game? You guys are on ESPN now to a, a national audience, so to speak, um, you know, through either ESPNU or the, the app or whatever, uh, ESPN3. Um, I know we've had Matt Chatham on the show a few years back. He was calling the game, former Patriots uh, special teams player, won a Super Bowl. I mean, what's... I mean, obviously, it's a big game for you guys. It's the biggest game for you guys. There's always thousands of of, um, uh, of students, you know, cadets, whatever, in in the in the uh, in the stands. But what is the the last few years with the kind of stepping it up a notch with this ESPN connection meant to the program? It's been a lot. Um, obviously, you know, you look at it right right away from kids who are interested in the academies, and for them to be able to get to see you play on a national on national uh, some type of national forum is awesome uh here the kids like uh it's been over the moon i mean because you know a lot of these kids are getting interviewed for the first time by a national tv uh personality or whatnot and so it, it, it's helped out a lot um as i look up on the, the wall here in front of me and there's a picture of mike goldsworthy uh after the game uh two years ago down there um and just the, the, the whole idea of us being on national t tv and be able to watch it go back home when you get back home to watch it um, again, it, 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 it brings, it brings a, you know, it gives these kids a real feeling of what's it, what's, what's it like to play on national TV, um, uh, for, for at least one week of the year. So, you know, when coach George, uh, announced his retirement, I woke up to a text message from Mike Toop down at Merchant Marine Academy, uh, you know, very, you know, somber about the fact, I, I think it was a sign of, you know, hey, we all grow older and eventually have to exit the job. I haven't heard from him uh, since you're naming, and I think I know why. He's probably already trying to game plan because he knows that Coast Guard made a great pick. <laughs> and he's like, crud, what am I going to do now? I, you know, I, I thought I had an upper hand now against this team, and then they go and pick CeCe Grant. I'm screwed again. But, you know, it's going to be a great game coming up. Uh, I'm hoping to get back there, uh, if not this year, uh, the following year. Uh, for uh, it's it's just a great experience, as you're pointing out, even without the ESPN element uh, added yep. to it. Uh, Coach, normally we would allow shout-outs right now for uh, player guests, and we do it for coaches sometimes. And by all means, shout-out whoever you'd like. But, you know, we were talking earlier, aside from your email, you haven't had a real opportunity for the, let's say, FaceTime with the team or their families at this point to kind of send a message to them. Here's your chance. The floor is all yours. Coach Grant, go ahead. Uh, I would just like to point out to not only the football team, but the football family, uh, alumni, uh, guys who've played for me over the last uh, 21 seasons, that uh, you guys take care of yourselves, take care of your families at this point in time. Um, just hang in there. Uh, do what you can to keep yourself busy. Uh, take care of your schoolwork. Uh, and in time, we'll be back here uh, working hard together. Uh, again, just take care of yourselves. I love you guys. Can't wait to get back here on campus. Amen. I, we can't wait till you are all back on campus because okay. it's going to be a sign of great things to come. Uh, we're all getting a little nervous here, obviously, about what happens August time and September time and if it affects our seasons at all and what it all means. But right now, we're going to try to stay optimistic. 
you've been uh, quoted, uh, or not, not quoted, but your players have been quoted as uh, suggesting you're a tough love guy. And I, I can tell that there's a uh, teddy bear inside somewhere there, but also a disciplinarian that's uh, necessary at an academy like Coast Guard. And uh, I can already tell why the uh, response has been so positive already this week about your uh, hiring. Congratulations and good luck to you, you in the 2020 season. Hey guys, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me and giving me this opportunity to, uh, to be on, your bar on the broadcast. Thanks, Coach. Really love that uh, interview with him. Uh, it just you could tell, you know, his playing days at Cortland. Maybe he was uh, he was obviously a serious player, but uh, you know, maybe yeah. a little bit more lax about you know life and everything else as college football players are. But then getting brought through the system of coaching at Cortland and eventually with Dan McNeil over there, uh, I, I think that's one of those situations that really wakes you up makes you a better coach ultimately and then under bill george it just went upward from there at that point so he, he is somebody that has tutelage like no other in the ranks and i think that it's going to be a very successful we're just going to pick up where we left off type scenario but with some enhancements that he's learned along the way that is going to lead to success for Coast Guard Academy. Sorry, Coach Toop, I've, I've got to be honest here, that Coast Guard is going to be a force to be reckoned with in the new MAC moving yeah. forward here. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, the first thing that Coach Grant touched upon was the, you know, maintaining the health of, of the players. And because we really saw that the last two um, weeks of the regular season for the Coast Guard were rough. I mean, I think they gave up a total of like 110 points or something like that. I know they uh, gave up 56 to the Mariners in the, in the last Secretary's Cup game. So uh, I, I imagine Coach Grant's number one priority is to make sure guys coming back to camp are, are healthy and ready to go because, as he said, the year that they, they won the Secretary's Cup, the one that you were actually at, Frank, and you were going to hold the thing, the trophy, and the whole deal, you were right there. Um, you know, those 11 – defensive guys made it through the whole season unscathed, which is, is hard to do um, in, in college football. So I think it's going to be a combination of, you know, some training as well as you know, maybe just tightening up the scheme a little bit because they, they did, uh, they did struggle a little bit down the stretch last season. And so hopefully uh, coach Grant will be able to stay in touch with his guys and, and uh, hopefully they'll get to come back to new London um, safe and, and healthy after this, uh, this crazy coronavirus summer that we're getting into. <laughs> You pointed out during the interview and asked him about Ryan Jones, et cetera, graduating off. That is obviously a big loss to graduation. Uh, we'll see mm -hmm. who they get to fill that. Obviously, Coast Guard has had more of a throwing uh, type of offense or passing offense than a rushing offense over the years uh, that we've gotten used to them. But remember, the new head coach is a former fullback from Cortland State, and so you wonder if that's not going to play into maybe more of a balanced attack down the line offensively for them we'll see uh, where he goes with it I'm excited for them because I can tell he's just somebody that they already know but they, they also respect immensely to make make this program continue to purr and thrive and even turn around in terms of those last couple of weeks last year as you uh, pointed out he didn't hide from that question at all when I asked about uh, the defensive yep. performances as DC so he is somebody that says, hey, on me, and we're going to fix that, and we're going to make those changes we need to make, and we're going to improve. Love that. I, I love the accountability factor when you get to coaches, especially at these military academies, in those situations. So 
Sir, this is the sixth episode we've released in the off-season, uh, or a partial episode, we call it. Uh, we didn't expect to do this. We expected maybe one or two. We're going to take a little bit yep. of a pause, obviously, after this, because it's a lot of production uh, when it gets down to it. We've enjoyed talking to everybody we've talked to. Nick DeCarano, oh, uh, Jimmy Robertson, Kurt Fitzpatrick, uh, David Tamero, Mike Riddleman, I am forgetting somebody I feel like here. I'm going to Coach Grant. <laughs> hey, Coach Grant, thank you. If I didn't say Jimmy Robertson, him too. I think I did earlier. But everybody we got to – oh, David Harris uh, from Union College as well. Yeah. That's who actually I was forgetting before okay. I got to Coach Grant. And he <laughs> just – this gave us an opportunity to get to know some people we probably wouldn't have otherwise necessarily gotten to talk to. So – you know, silver lining in some ways is getting to, you know, get ourselves out there. You know, we had, what, like 7,300 video views in the uh, last two weeks, not including this one in yeah. any residual. Well, 7,500, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so yeah. We, we appreciate it. Great. And again, silver lining is that we got to sort of get close with you folks again uh, during uh, this hiatus in life. And we'll still be here. We'll still be tweeting. We'll still be putting things on Facebook, et cetera, our social media. And we'll be back uh, before this uh, off-season is done. Maybe we'll turn it to season 13 at that point officially. We'll make that determination soon. we got to see where this goes. A lot of us don't know where this goes, obviously. But we're going to be optimistic about it. What are your parting thoughts or messages to our uh, fan base uh, viewing this or even people that aren't our fan base viewing this, I guess, at the end of the day? Yeah, I mean, I, I still feel um, pretty cautiously optimistic that this whole situation will will come to pass hopefully uh, by the time the summer rolls around and that the fall will resume kind of as normal. I mean, we have seen stuff from the NCAA where the um, student athletes affected by the uh, spring shutdown will get their eligibility, whether or not they decide to, to come back and do that. I imagine it's going to be, um, you know, a, a personal choice between them and their families and whether or not the, the cost benefit outweighs itself. I've seen some schools um, creating some emergency funds because there are, um, you know, certain either graduating seniors or other, other kids that were planning on having, um, you know, jobs lined up at the end of the uh, semester that, that have gone away. Uh, and we had, what, like 3 million or something uh, people in the United States file for unemployment insurance this past week. So certainly, um, you know, it's a tough time for a lot of folks. Um, and hopefully, you know, like I said, this will, will wrap itself up in, in, in the near future, hopefully, and, and we can kind of get back to uh, sort of life as, as we usually uh, know it. I, my uh, promise is that once things get better, once we're able to do it, I'd like to take the show on the road to uh, the players wherever they are uh, during the springtime or the summertime uh, at that point and uh, you know, get to know some of them in a different way. Uh, you know, on their turf per se, a little bit. So it just is an excuse to travel a little bit and get out from cabin fever. I mean, you're used to seeing my backdrop here and everything else. I'm a little too used to seeing it lately. And uh, <laughs> I, I would like a little bit of a change of scenery myself and hopefully sure. that's sooner rather than later. So we'll have some coverage definitely coming up here, be it organized shows or just a quick interview or something. So just keep watching for us, folks. We understand sports isn't aren't being played, that there's a coverage gap going on, and that's a good excuse for folks like us to say, hey, we're still here, we haven't forgotten about you, and we're ready for this college football season to begin once it's able to begin. 
hopefully August, September at the worst here. Yeah, and all you slackers out there with your holding, uh, withholding your 2020 football schedules, come on, get them out there. I mean, we've got like 75% of the uh, 250-some-odd D3 schools that have published already. What are you stragglers waiting for? Come on, let's put them out there. Let's, let's see when the games are going to happen. Let's get excited for 2020. Look at you on the soapbox today. I, I like it. It's like uh, you've been hanging around me a little too much lately. Anyway, folks, yeah, just a little. But anyway, folks, uh, we appreciate all the uh, views we and everything else uh, that you've given us. Uh, you keep us uh, smiling throughout these last couple weeks that have been just a complete and utter nightmare. Let's face it. We, we can't. Silver linings all you want. It's been a nightmare for this country. And uh, you try to find some happiness and goodness wherever you can find it right now. So stay tuned. We'll be here. Thanks for watching. And we will see you very, very soon.